Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, Season 7, Episode 13. That's kind of how I found my love for strength and conditioning because the weight room, I think, was the first place for me where, you know, maybe I wasn't getting stats on the field, but I saw in the weight room myself getting stronger. And that really just translated into a new level of confidence for me um, and really allowed for me to embrace my role as a leader and more specifically a leader by example. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. This is the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon, and today we're going to talk about the path from athlete to coach. Many of us have active backgrounds, and somewhere along the way that led us into coaching. We're also going to talk about communication in the field and how we share information. We're joined today by Lily Bernardi, an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Hofstra University. Lily, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I've gotten to connect with you a few times over the last year and excited to have you on. Want to hear about your athletic experience a little bit and how that led you into becoming a strength and conditioning coach. Sure. So um, I grew up playing basketball and lacrosse. Basketball was really my first love. And it was my basketball coach who actually actually recommended that I get into lacrosse. And much to my surprise, I ended up loving it and playing um, in college. So I attended the College of New Jersey, TCNJ. Um, for those unfamiliar, it is a state school in the state of New Jersey, um, but a very highly decorated lacrosse program. It's a Division three program, um, but my coach there, Sharon Fluger, she to this day is the winningest coach in NCAA women's lacrosse history um, with 14 national championships. So um, it was a great experience being there. Um, that's when I first discovered the weight room. And I would say as an athlete, I was never the most skilled person on the field. And I was aware of that. I picked up lacrosse a little bit later than some of my teammates and my peers. So I was the type of player who didn't necessarily show up in the stats, but nonetheless, I was a contributor on my team. And I think a big part of that was my work ethic and, you know, my desire to not be beaten on the field. And really that's kind of how I found my love for strength and conditioning because the weight room I think was the first place for me where, you know, maybe I wasn't getting stats on the field, but I saw in the weight room myself getting stronger. And that really just translated into a new level of confidence for me. Um, and really allowed for me to embrace my role as a leader and more specifically a leader by example in the sport of lacrosse. So um, I fell in love with the weight room in my time there. I love that. And your success in the weight room gave you confidence. That's something that maybe is assumed in, in strength and conditioning a little too much. We don't talk about it, but we we are building confidence in our athletes when we train them in the weight room. Uh, there's a lot of confidence to be had. 
just with the small wins over a four-year collegiate strength and conditioning program. So now you're a strength and conditioning coach. You have your own athletes. Looking back on the values and standards you had for yourself as an athlete, which ones of those made their way into your coaching? Definitely. So I think for me, what I would consider to be, you know, my non-negotiables are one to just have a respect for your superiors, your coaches, you know, they're in the position they're in because they're knowledgeable of the sport or, you know, your strength conditioning coaches, they have the background, they have the education in that. So to, you know, have a level of respect and, you know, trust that they are here for you and here to enhance your experience as an athlete. And second to that, um, I look for a high level of work ethic in my athletes. And um, I think part of that comes from the fact that I'm very transparent with my athletes. Um, I was a senior in 2020. So unfortunately, my collegiate career came to an end very quickly, abruptly, and too soon. So my athletes are very aware of the fact that on any given day, if they're doing conditioning, if they're having the hardest lift, they're getting yelled at at practice, that I would do anything to take the jersey off their back and get out there one more time. So I think if I have athletes who are kind of just going through the motions, I really try to explain to them, you know, it might be hard, but you're going to look back and you'll miss these four years. And, you know, maybe you don't want to go outside and do conditioning every day, but there's a day that you'll look back and wish you could be a part of it. So um, I think to me, an athlete who steps into the weight room and is going through the motions or, you know, is taking it for granted. Um, in a way, I kind of look at that as a sign of disrespect for, you know, me and maybe some other athletes or injured athletes on the team who just wish they could be out there again. So those are two things that I really look for in my athletes. And, you know, I'm very transparent with them with that. And that's so powerful how you said that about COVID-19, 2020, and getting your senior season taken away. And, and, and I really haven't heard that from any coaches yet. Uh, it's so new. I mean, we're just, we're still in a lot of ways pulling out of this pandemic culture that we experienced as a field. And, and in a way, I, I think we thrived as a, as an industry and as a field during this time, we were sources of strength for our institutions and I mean, just wow, thinking about you're a senior in college and you, you know, kind of a late starter in the sport and you probably were really looking forward to, to that season, you know, and seeing, you know, all your hard work pay off. Uh, I have to ask you, what, what was that like getting your season, senior season taken away? Uh, it just really caught my attention when you said that. Yeah, I mean, it's something I'll definitely never forget and, you know, uh, never get full closure with, I think. Um, I try to stay as athletic as possible, still kind of just missing it. But um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely, definitely a, a tough experience. But on the flip side of that, I don't know 
if I would be where I am right now if that hadn't happened. So, you know, as you mentioned, it's kind of weird to say that an industry or people thrived during that time, but it was right after, you know, we got sent home due to the pandemic and I had who knew at the time how much time to kind of sit around in my house in quarantine as everyone was. And I used that to my advantage and I used that time to study to take my CSCS exam because I was looking to become a graduate assistant at Hofstra University um, come the fall of 2020. And I had conversations with the coaches who said if I had my certification, that would allow for me to get more opportunities to potentially work hands on with the athletes and, you know, run groups and it was a time where they absolutely needed it. It was a staff of three coaches and due to a hiring freeze and due to the pandemic, I was the only um, intern or grad assistant that was there. So there were only four of us managing like 17 or so teams. Um, so right off the bat, I was getting a lot of experience right away and because I had my certification, I was even able to take a team starting the second week. I wasn't programming yet, but I was able to kind of instruct the men's golf team because there was a scheduling conflict with, you know, their strength coach. So um, that ended up for me giving me a lot of experience um, earlier. And, you know, my struggle with that as well was. I did have a year of eligibility left in lacrosse and, you know, I can't say I didn't think about potentially playing, but when I came here and I realized how much experience and, you know, hands-on opportunities I was getting so early on, I knew that even though I wasn't over the fact that my lacrosse career had come to an end and part of me wanted to play, I think, I'm very happy in my decision to not try to do that just because I don't know if I would be where I am if I hadn't had that much time dedicated um, to strength conditioning and um, working with the staff the way I was. Yeah, I get the opportunity in this role to talk to a lot of coaches really at those those times when they have to make big decisions about their future. Do I, do I pursue this GA position or this internship, or do I leave home and go here? Uh, there's a, there's a lot of big, there's a big commitment to this profession. Uh, Lily, I, I love your positivity and just how constructive your approach was of you're going to make something positive out of getting your senior season taken away. I won't put you on the spot and ask if there's going to be a lacrosse comeback anytime soon, but uh, it, I, I see that as really inspiring to a lot of coaches to hear that because it is a lot, you know, you, you put a lot of effort into your training, into uh, just all the anticipation of being a senior and having your senior year as a student athlete we all look forward to that. And, but you just poured that right into your strength and conditioning career. And something that I jotted down as you were saying is 
you wanted early responsibility in the field. And the way to get there was getting an early start in your preparation and using your coaches and the the resources you had as as professional development. There's so many great takeaways for young coaches in the path you had. I I, I just really inspired by that. So thank you. Uh, you presented at the new at the NSCA New York State Clinic this past year on lessons that you learned in the field that you didn't learn in school. What were some of those big lessons? Mm -hmm. So really when I was, you know, presented with the potential opportunity to speak, I thought to myself, what could I possibly speak about? I knew I wanted to do it, but I was kind of unsure of which route to go. And the more I thought about it, I just thought of where I was at in my career. And, you know, it's still pretty early. But I think what the past few years have been for me are, you know, realizing what being a strength and conditioning coach was. You know, I came out of undergrad and I started as a graduate assistant here at Hofstra. And, you know, you have a few programming classes under your belt, um, you know, very general guidelines as to how to program for athletes. And then day one of stepping into the weight room, you realize I don't know anything or I don't know as much as I think I do. And there's so much more to than, you know, the science side of strength and conditioning. And really what that presentation was, was kind of talking about the art of coaching. And, you know, that's something that I think is very difficult and or not really taught in the classroom. You learn about the techniques, you learn about the exercises, progressions and, you know, programming, but not really how to bring that program to life or to coach in an effective way. So for me, really what that presentation spoke about is I kind of looked at different areas. And one of them was, you know, learning how to communicate with athletes. And, um, you know, the biggest thing is developing relationships and getting to know them as people, not just as athletes. So um, I think one thing that I learned from my lacrosse coach that I kind of carried with me is I am going to treat everyone fair, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to treat everyone the same. And, you know, to take a, a step to dissect that as an athlete myself, I was someone on the field who, you know, I could get yelled at and picked apart a bit, but that would motivate me. And I could thrive in a situation like that. It kind of set a fire for me versus others. Um, if they were in a similar situation, they may kind of crumble under that type of pressure. So the way I look at that is my job as a strength conditioning coach is to get the best out of my athletes. I want them to perform well. Um, that's my job. But I also have to realize that I'm dealing with so many different personalities. So in order to get that result from my different athletes, I may have to take a different approach um, with them. And 
So an example would be, you know, maybe I have someone who is squatting and they're doing a heavy set and they love when you stand behind them, you cheer, you clap, you know, you're screaming at them as they're going. But on the flip side, I've had athletes who have turned to me before they squatted and said, please just don't do that. (laughs) And if that's what it, you know, takes to get them to be able to perform well, if they wouldn't respond well to that, note it. You know, I, I know that about the athlete now, and I'm going to be more conscious of that as a coach. So communicating with them and then also not just what I deal with in strength conditioning in my, you know, day-to-day job in writing programs and stuff for my teams. But I think a big thing that you learn once you start to get experiences is all the different um, relationships between athletic training, between the sport coaches, with the athletes. Um, do you have exor- an exercise science department on campus? You know, here at Hofstra, we have the ability to teach within the exercise science department. And, you know, we've partnered with them recently to integrate some technology into our weight room. So um, just all of the different relationships that you can build as a strength and conditioning coach. And I don't think that's something you necessarily get from a textbook. No, I love that. Some great perspective there. And those are important lessons early in a strength and conditioning career to almost be humbled by what you don't know. Uh, You got up, you took the plunge, you got up in front of a group of peers, people you didn't know, and you presented, you shared, what do you feel you gained from that at this career stage? I think what I gained from that is, you know, I think I have never been really afraid of public speaking in presentations as a student, you know, I would be the one to take over a little bit if I needed to. Um, I think in, um, like I said, we can teach in exercise science here. So I teach a, a small class It was about eight students last semester. So I had some experience um, presenting weekly to them. Um, And, you know, my best piece of advice that I received in this career is just, you're never ready for your next step. And so while, like I said, I had no idea what I was going to present on, I knew I wanted to because I wanted to challenge myself in a different way and, you know, prove to myself that I can. And um, I learned a lot. I think I definitely got an itch to continue to present if possible. And, you know, it gave me an opportunity to connect with some coaches and, you know, people that I haven't met. And I think, you know, to go back to COVID for a second, when I first started in this career, it was still at the peak of COVID. So conferences weren't really happening in in person and I wasn't really able to meet with people. So um, just the opportunity to actually, you know, meet people face to face and, um, you know, introduce myself or, you know, learn something um, at the conference. That's a big takeaway I had. Perfect. Uh, you're, You're never ready for your next step. Let's dive into that a little bit more. Uh, what trends are you seeing in the field right now? And just what are some areas that you're looking to for, for personal and professional growth in your coaching? Absolutely. Um, I think a few things, I think 
one area that I personally could expand. And I think, you know, maybe it's just related to where I'm at currently and, you know, what we have access to and stuff. I want to expand in, you know, sports science and learning more about technology. So um, we're excited to kind of work with our exercise science department here. And we've recently um, got some Hawkins force plates, which we used in our performance testing with our athletes. So collectively as a staff, that's an area we're looking to grow. Um, and then, you know, I think still just realizing that I'm fairly young in my career and I could just, you know, gain more experience. And, you know, I think sometimes I, you know, I've had some great opportunities with where I'm at currently, but I think just to continue to get more experienced and, you know, getting shut down a few times is not a bad thing because I think, you know, I'm still young and the trajectory is only going up because I think every time I've been challenged, it's kind of made me realize maybe an area that I can improve in, in my career. Yeah. There's, there's so much right there that, and I hear this a lot with uh, assistant strength and conditioning coaches coming up, maybe in their first assistant strength and conditioning coach job, uh, Coaches are hungry. I, I remember what it was like. I, I was so committed to this profession just early. And, and we, we have this all in mentality that we, that we have to take. We know how challenging it is to thrive in, in this field. And it's uh, no, I, I hear just the authenticity and how you're looking at your career come through. And, and when you answer that, that question and it's, for all coaches, it's an extremely personal path. It's so, because it's your, it's your career. It's your journey. It's what you thought about every step of the way. Uh, so that's inspiring. I think it's important for, for young coaches listening in to hear that. I think it's also important for coaches further in along in their career to hear where maybe some of the coaches who are working for them or coming in as interns or young assistants uh, are from a uh, preparation and really a growth mindset that I, I really credit your generation of coach with just being so open-minded to information. And you have access, we all have access to so much information right now. I mean, uh, I see you on social media all the time, posting some of your workouts. You're on the gains train. I like it. And uh, I see some of your powerlifting and you're getting after it. Let's talk about social media a little bit. Uh, what value do you see in social media for coaches? Mm -hmm. So, you know, social media is funny because I think there's, you know, pros and cons to everything. And I think for strength coaches, it can be a great thing, you know, if used um, well and appropriately. Um, it's funny to kind of think of, what my Instagram page started as and what it's become. So um, this is further back, but during COVID, I, I first started my page more so to just post my daily workouts. And it was a way to really just keep myself accountable because, you know, the alternative was maybe just sitting around all day. So for me, it was something I did. I, I got up, I did my workout. 
I recorded and, you know, I would post them on my page. And um, another thing I wanted to do with that account was to kind of just show how I got to, I guess, now where I'm at now. So at the time, I still didn't have my certification. You know, I would post stories of the textbooks I was reading and my preparation. I made it a goal of mine to, I think, read about a chapter a week or something like that so that, you know, by July, I was prepared and I had read all the textbooks and ready to take the exam. So really, at first, it was a way for me to hold myself accountable. And then I had teammates and friends who kind of started following along and they would do the workouts that I would post and it became more interactive. And um, then eventually when I got here to, you know, Hofstra um, and when I was at Fordham, at first I believe I had it as a private account for a while, but then I, you know, I started letting my athletes follow me because I think there is value in an athlete seeing that, you know, you're practicing what you preach. So we have these big open windows here um, in our weight room at Hofstra. And, you know, when athletes are walking by and they see, you know, their coaches training just as hard as them, I think they love to see that. And I think it's important for them to see that as well. You know, where practicing where we run their conditioning tests when we can throughout the summer to train ourselves and we post that on social media and you know it's kind of like well if I'm running your conditioning uh packet for the summer hopefully you are too so um I think that's great and then I think um when I first kind of got here and maybe even more so once I got to Fordham University and I was working with uh coach Gilfeder I became a big bookworm. So um, another thing I love about social media is just all the books that, you know, people post on their stories and adding it to my list. So um, I think, you know, sharing information, but also kind of showing your athletes and, you know, other coaches and sharing ideas, but also kind of creating a community of encouraging each other, whether it's in like um, professional accomplishments, but also, you know, the PRs are fun too. Yeah. Question on that, on social media. I mean, it's 2023. When you apply for a job, someone's going to be digging into your social media accounts and looking up who you are and what you put out there. Do you think there are risks in posting for coaches? Uh, you know, what's your take on that? Definitely. Um, I mean, I think one kind of rule that I have for myself when it comes to social media is while I allow athletes to follow me, uh, I don't follow them back. You know, I'm not interacting and I don't want to see what my athletes are doing on weekends. You know, their social media pages are very different than what mine is. So while I allow them to follow me, if they'd like, um, I choose not to, you know, follow my athletes on social media until, you know, potentially I am no longer their coach just because I do think there are risks with that. You know, you never know what someone's posting on a Friday night or a Saturday night. And then is that a matter of, do I have to, you know, go to their coach and tell them X, Y, and Z, you know, 
I, I choose not to put myself into that position. So um, I think it can be a slippery slope depending, you know, on how you use it. But I think if you use it well, it can, you know, be a great tool. Yeah, that's a great, great point about following athletes back. The risk with that, uh, especially with some of, you know, some of the things that we've probably all experienced through our, you know, college years that if now, nowadays you can get tagged in a post and you don't really know what's up there, but a lot of people might see that. So there is risk with that, uh, from a career standpoint with coaches. And I've heard of coaches, uh, actually getting professional opportunities through social media. Do you have any experience with that? Yes, actually. So, um, like I said, social media can be a great thing. And in a way, it's almost an online resume. Um, some people, I guess, would consider it. But um, funny enough, you know, I a few times have either connected with coaches or, you know, followed a coach and they follow me back. And we've developed relationships over, you know, social media. And I have been contacted about, you know, potential job opportunities. And, you know, I have uh, ended up, you know, getting a role due to someone reaching out to me over social media, just because, you know, they liked, I guess, what I was posting, they saw that I was passionate um, within the field. And like I said, if used correctly, um, you can make some really great connections. And, you know, you never know where your next job comes from and you never know who is kind of following along and, you know, admiring your work. That's awesome. Love that take, love that approach. I liked how you called it an online resume. Uh, we should all be cognizant of what information we have out there in social media, uh, the image that we are putting out there of ourselves. really for a, in a lot of cases it's our first impression is being made before we're ever in the room uh at our perspective next job so to speak and so uh i really appreciate you diving into these topics today i, I think you will get a few coaches wanting to reach out and, and connect with you what's the best way for them to do that sure so definitely um via my instagram um, it is at Lily, L-I-L-L-Y underscore Bernardi, B-E-R-N-A-R-D-I-1. And um, additionally, my email address is on the Hofstra website, but I would say those are probably the two best ways to contact me. Awesome. Lily, thanks for sharing that. We appreciate everything you shared today. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. And a special thanks to Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. Hi, this is 2022 NSCA Professional Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year, Dan Dowerpole. Thanks for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, a top resource to hear relevant stories and insights from great coaches like you. To always get the latest episodes delivered right to your phone or computer, subscribe to on iTunes or look up the NSCA Coaching Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Also, go to NSCA.com to join the NSCA at an upcoming conference or clinic. 
This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.